you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest and friend. It's Brian Castle. You can find him on Twitter. He's at Cast Jam. He's got a great Twitter account. I've been following it for I don't know how long. I've listened to Brian on his podcast, Bootstrap Web, for a long time. And he's an awesome software creator and fellow entrepreneur, but also great at uh, helping other entrepreneurs start and scale welcome to the show brian hey chris how's it going yeah i'm excited to get into it with you and you i've always enjoyed our chats we're just on a similar wavelength and uh you've given me a lot of good business advice i was actually just talking uh with my partner jason coleman the other day about um you, you we had this a theme launch pad that we were thinking of um sunsetting and you know we had plans to ultimately build a new theme to go with lifter lms and you're like why why get rid of a product you already have that's functional and it was like really good advice uh <laughs> and it took us a long time to get the new theme built but uh, you always have like uh you know your instincts are strong so just props for that you know chris you, you and i have connected like so many times or dude it's been a long time since we've known each other probably like 10 years now something like that yeah um and I don't actually remember that specific conversation, but it sounds like something I probably said. It was in a hot tub in Cabo, so that's probably oh, okay. why. <laughs> um, After uh, several beers, yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but you have a, a software clarity flow, which a lot of this, you out there watching or listening, uh, if you're into coaching and this whole challenge of relationships, like coaching isn't just content, it's conversation. And um, so that's at clarityflow.com. And then your content side and, and coaching yourself is at instrumentalproducts.com. But let's talk about Clarity yeah, that's Flow. The new thing. That's your new thing. Let's talk about Clarity Flow first. Um, what problem do you solve there? And I know you solve several, but what what was the seed of the idea for Clarity Flow? Yeah. So, I mean, Clarity Flow really evolved a lot. Like, it was, it's been really different. So, I've been running Clarity Flow for, for now three full years now. And um, it started as a different name. It, it, it started under the name Zip Message. And um, almost a year ago, uh, like at the beginning of this year in 2023, we rebranded from Zip Message to Clarity Flow. Um, but starting from six months before, so middle of 2022 was when we did a big, uh, really I did, but I have a small team working with me. But I, I did a lot of, um, research with our customers and we dialed into coaches. So early on when it was zip message, it was really just this like asynchronous messaging tool that was used just really broadly in, in a bunch of different ways, right? Like we saw coaches using it. We saw remote teams using it. We saw sales teams. We saw podcasters using it for async stuff. We saw hiring use cases, teaching, um, and all, all this different stuff. And, and then really became clear in our second year, like in 2021 that, uh, or as we got into 2022, that we really do need to like sort of, sort of niche down and figure out who we are, um, 
building for and who we're serving best. And th through a couple of early customer research conversations, it became clear that like, all right, the segment who are using it for coaching, are, they are by far our, our best customer because they rely on it the most. They, they use it uh, most in the core of their business. Whereas the other use cases, they got some value from it, but it was sort of periphery. It was like, um, they could easily pick it up, put it down, swap it out. It's not a big deal in their business, but for coaches, it was like the way that they actually communicate with their clients. Um, so that became clear. And then I did like 50 more customer research interviews with coaches to really understand where does this actually fit in your stack? And, and through those interviews, I learned it's yes, they use it for asynchronous coaching, like asynchronous sent, sending and receiving of messages with camera and audio only messages with, with their clients and texts. Um, but they, but so many coaches also have a course or also have a coaching group and they do a lot of co group cohorts. Um, and they sort of try to like duct tape our tool against so many other different tools. And then, and then of course there's payments, right? So um, selling your coaching packages, selling access to your coaching groups and cohorts and things. So through that, through all that research, I realized like, okay, we should really build a cohesive platform for a coach to build all those pieces together under one roof. So actually this month in December, so like next week we are launching, um, clarity flow commerce, which is our payments feature. Nice. And so that sort of like caps off this whole year where, where we went from just being an async communications tool. That's still the core of what we are, but we've added on the ability to run courses, the ability to have community spaces. And now finally the, the ability to actually excel and integrate your Stripe account and, and do all that. So, so it's kind of, so this year, like this month, we actually finished that big roadmap of like becoming the, the full product vision for, for clarity flow. That's awesome. I know there's this business advice, like you should put your customer at the center of your product, not your business or not your product. And that's like a well-executed, like, okay, we've got this coach avatar. What do they need? What do people want? They want one tool to rule them all. Like they don't want like a million different things to duct tape together. I think it depends on the tool. Yeah. I think, I think, um, not every tool has to be everything. Um, but I think in my case, like hearing enough use cases or enough uh stories from coaches who are trying to do that like duct tape thing and we have a really good zapier integration you you could do certain integrations but in in our case it became clear that like it's still that doesn't solve the problem because they're because the client like the coach's client they don't want to have to deal with like multiple logins to different tools and jumping between like all right i paid my coach over here and then i'm joining the the coaching group community over on this platform. And then I'm getting the courses and the, and the library frameworks over there. And then I'm communicating over here. That's like three, four different tools. You know, they, they want a cohesive experience for their clients. So that's, that's what we put together. You know, I kind of ended up in a similar place with lifter LMS. I built, I was really into courses and the technology and, and then like over time, it's taken me a long time to figure out the avatar and there's actually several and WordPress makes it challenging because people it's so componentized, mm -hmm. people do all kinds of stuff with it. But if you were advising a, a new starting entrepreneur, what's there's like, it's, there's the advice that you should always focus on the avatar, but is there, 
like what would you advise which way like if you're really into a certain technology or niche should you just go for it and figure out the avatar later or from day one pick one and double down because the benefit of not picking one is over time it just emerges or or a couple of them emerge and you get that that time just seeing what happens so that your assumptions can be challenged and the market will tell you so sometimes yeah, I mean, it's like different strategies there i uh this this idea of like niching down is is one of those business lessons that i i keep having to learn over and over again the, the hard way um like zip message was not my first business and for for whatever reason i thought it it would work by not niching down and just keeping it broad and it sort of worked in the first year but then then it became really clear in the second year and look it's it's different for every business there 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 are multiple there's so many different ways to be successful you really have to just sort of go with whatever makes sense to you as the founder and whatever um situation you have but i know that's kind of a cop out I, I'll, I'll i'll give you like in, in my experience what i found was um yes we could you, we could find some customers by not niching down and just being like yeah we work for that and we work for that and we work for that and on our marketing site we had like at one point we had like something like six or seven different pages like one that spoke to coaches one that spoke to sales teams one that spoke to everything and and so like it it be, it eventually became easier in so many different ways to to focus in on our ideal customer the the coach i mean number one like the obvious ones are like marketing right so like the the website speaks to coaches every headline that we write every text every email we're speaking to a coach and we can speak directly to what they care about um so you're not kind of watering down your messaging but i think to me what what became a lot more interesting is the on the product side um we went from being from not really having a clear direction on what we should build next, what what features are most important to build next, because again, we were serving so many different use cases and it like even eliminated a lot of interesting features from us being able to build them because it's like, it's too specific. Only a few people might use that, this or that feature. And I actually remember in the early, in the first year or two of ZipMessage, I was, it was pretty haphazard in terms of choosing which features we build next. It was like, what sounds fun? <laughs> what sounds fun? Or maybe a, a couple people asked for this. They happened to ask for it this month. All right, let's build it this month. Um, but then once I got into coaches and I got really, really into the research on how exactly they use these different tools, and coaches use course tools and community tools in very different ways than a typical like online teacher uses them or even like these large communities like that when using it for coaching it's very very specific it's more like a library of resources that they like hand pick and they give to their to their clients and things um, and they want these like close small membership coaching cohorts cohorts you know so i learned all those little details and then i and then it became clear like all right this feature is really important to coaches let's do that first and then this feature is really important to kind of round out that stack for a coach and finish out that use case that comes next and then the payments piece like comes after that like it, it this whole year of 2023 has been a very clear sequence of features to to get from uh like half built to like fully built product feature complete 
you know, and it, it just, every single feature became obvious. Like, all right, this is what comes next, you know? The coaching industry, and I'm thinking particularly, I guess, about business coaching has evolved and it's not going away. Like it just continues to proliferate as like a way to learn just in time education, network with your peers and all these like coaching niches. I kind of think of like Tony Robbins as the first business coach in a way. And he's been around since, I don't know, I was a kid and late night TV commercials, life coaching and stuff like that. Yeah. What, what you, I mean, it was, it's been eye opening for me. Um, I, I've never personally been, uh, that connected to coaching in general. Um, I know many coaches, uh, um, I, right now I work with a coach, but, I, and I've had different coaches over the years, but not, not all the time. And, and so, um, w again, once I got into the research into this, it, it was pretty eye opening to see like how large this category really is. Um, cause yeah, like you were saying, like, like I, I'm sort of familiar with like business coaches, yeah. but it goes so far beyond that as, as you know, I mean, it's like, we see customers using clarity flow who are, we do get a lot of business coaches, but even within that, you've got like sales coaches, you've got executive coaches, you've got um, marketing coaches, product coaches. And then we see life coaches, we see nutrition coaches, health and fitness, we see uh, spirituality, we, we see a lot of music teachers using us. Um, uh, we see a lot of uh, speech and language coaches. Uh, I've seen like pet training coaches, uh, parenting coaches, like the relationships, like the, there's all these different areas where people it, like person to person, one person helping the other. It's like an age old, it's, it's been around for centuries. Right. Um, you know, but what, what, and then there's like different styles of coaching and the, and the ones that really resonate with clarity flow tend to be the coaches who are, they probably do some one-to-one -one coaching but they are looking to start to scale and to do that they do it in one of two ways one is they form they get into more group coaching and usually in a form of like cohorts where it's like they'll do a spring cohort and a, and a summer cohort and a, and a fall um and they're moving to more asynchronous coaching meaning um instead of booking a lot of live one-to-one -one calls on your calendar uh, you can still have face-to-face, -face, like deep level coaching with video or audio only spoken or, or text, but you can go back and forth on your own time. And, and then when you, when you combine that with groups, like that also, um, opens the door to like coaches in Australia, working with clients in America or Europe and Asia and like get, getting across time zones. Um, when you take the live scheduling piece out of it 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 really opens up a lot of possibilities for a coach to sort of like scale their business and kind of take back a lot of their time you know yeah i know there's all these niches and they do it a little differently but if you were to kind of put together a, a great coaching package what would be the elements uh like what's in the box when somebody buys a, a coaching page a package that's well designed yeah i mean you know we see a lot of different options um uh, you know, there's, there's still the option to just do a, a straight like subscription, which is, uh, probably the most common way is like you, you know, some, some flat monthly price gives you, um, it, sometimes they include live coaches, some 
coaching and sometimes they don't, right? Um, and, and they just do asynchronous. Sometimes they offer both options. Um, uh, we have some coaches who like limit the number of asynchronous messaging every, every month. And you can do that with clarity flow. But, um, I find that like, it's just easy, it, easy enough to say like X dollars a month. Unlimited. You have, you have unlimited yeah. async access. And, and the reality that, that might seem scary to offer unlimited access, but the reality is you can structure it so that like a, like every request, you only guarantee a response time of like say two up to two business days or something like that. Um, uh, you know, asynchronous is not live. So it's not like you have to be standing by the line and, and answer a call when it comes in. It just hits, you, you just have an inbox and then you can work your way through that inbox um, at a time that, that makes sense, you know? That's awesome. And tell me more about um, like with Clarity Flow, there's conversations, coaching programs, interactive courses, group spaces. You're got, you've got the payments coming. Um, what's like, you have the unlimited access as an example, but what else, like, what do you do with all the old recordings? How do you organize it? What do you save? What do you not save? How do you automate? Like you could have like a reuse, like a welcome to the program message that goes out. That's a big one. It's like, we, yeah. we, we give you this thing we call the library. So you can okay. build your library of template messages. So and besides a welcome message, what's, what, what's in the library? So like answers to common questions. Um, okay. So like, uh, you know, a coach's client, if, if, if say it's a business coach, they probably get the question of like, how should I price my product? And they've probably answered that with some go-to strategies like hundreds of times. Right. They could create a five minute video that gives the, their, their best response to how to price a particular type of product that goes into their library. Um, how to make my first hire that goes into the, their library, how to, um, I don't know, like get a virtual assistant or yeah, whatever. get a, get a VA like, like, you know, Hey, I've answered this question like 20 times. Let's take that last one and turn it into a template. Um, and so that, that's like getting even back to like, like courses, like a lot of, a lot of coaches would sign up for a course software to not necessarily deliver a course like lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, but just to have a place to store all this content. And then they can like hand pick and select and say like, Hey, like this coaching client is, is a little bit beginner. Let's, let's curate a couple of pieces of content and strategies for that person. Or this client is more advanced. I'm going to go to my more advanced content in my library and give it to that person, you know? Um, so that, that's a big part of what, what people do with, with clarity flow. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, the best coaching things I've been around, there's the coach is like kind of prescribing. And if they have this giant overwhelming vault, you know, they make it easy. You can find it on your own, or maybe they're like, Hey, you should really look at, you need to focus on this piece, this needle in the haystack. Basically I'm thinking of people like Dan Martell or James Shramko. They have these like big libraries of public content, but also in their programs. And that's yeah, but I, I think that also that like it's the, they're still coaches that they, they're still giving personalized advice or personalized responses back to the person. Right. So it might start with a template message about your go-to VA hiring strategy. Right. But then the person's going to have like, Oh, but in my case, I've got, I've got something that's a little bit different. I have a question or, how should I actually apply that given my personal scenario? And that's where 
a coach is actually offering coaching. And so the, uh, the whole idea, like we went from asynchronous conversations that are laid out in like a threaded conversation layout, but now, now that's still the core and, and you can insert these templates and reply back with personalized replies all in the, all in the same flow. Um, uh, and that's, which helps that's been like coach, a concept. Yeah. Which helps the coach like not quote waste time on like the low value entry stuff. And then when the custom piece comes in, yep. it saves everybody's time. Exactly. Yeah. And also like, uh, there's a lot of coach, like, like I work with a coach, I meet with them live on a call at once every two weeks, but in between our live calls, we have an asynchronous thread going in, in clarity flow. And the way we usually use that is I'll send them a message a couple of days before our live call that's coming up and say like, Hey, here are the couple of things that are on my mind right now. Um, just to give you some groundwork, some context so that we don't have to waste the first 20 minutes of our call doing that. Like it's, you know, once we get on the live, we can, we can just jump right in, you know? I love that. Um, just cause we always have to ask how should coaches use a artificial intelligence or can they, or like, do you have any tips there or what you're seeing in the industry right now to create um, even more like speed or quality or whatever? You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, again, like I hear from a lot of coaches every day and I, and I have not heard, like, it's not like a, a high demand, high feature request thing. Like, Oh, I wish this could be done with AI or I want to use AI in this way. So it's, so I would say so far, we're still, at least in this, in, in my corner of the coaching industry, it's still like not a thing yet. I mean, I'm sure people use chat GPT and stuff, but like, they're not, they don't wish it's part of a coaching product. Um, uh, we certainly have ideas on how we might integrate AI in, in the future. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who tend to use chat or, or, or talk about how that they use chat GPT to like think through ideas and frameworks. Um, I, honestly, I don't know like how, like if, if it really comes into play in the interaction between a coach and their client, I think most people are using AI privately to, to help, help them help the, in their own creative process or, or their own, uh, uh, production flow. Like that's how I generate, I, I mostly use it for coding, you know, cause I work mm -hmm. on the product. Um, so I, I use it a lot in software development stuff. Um, occasionally we use it to help write some like marketing copy and things like that, or at least get like a version one of that, um, written. Um, but like in, in clarity flow there at some point, probably next year, we'll get into things like, because what, what we already do is we transcribe. So if you if you send a video message or an audio message, we'll automatically transcribe it and put the text there. Like an obvious one was, was like, we should use AI to summarize that and give you a couple of bullet points so that you don't have to like read the whole thing or listen back. Um, another thing that we do is every message gets a title, which you can customize. We should be able to use AI to automatically title your messages you know um so th little th and i think in general like software tools should should just try to sprinkle ai in in these things um it it doesn't have to like replace how the thing gets used because at the end of the day most tools are still still used by humans you know yeah i can see i like your point about just using it in your own brainstorming like i could see a coaching client mm -hmm. being like okay i just signed up for 
SAS coaching with this person, what should I ask them or whatever? Like just to get the brainstorm and get the juices flowing. Yeah, for sure. Yep. You mentioned you code. One of the things that's always impressed me about you is you're what I would call a unicorn. Like you can market, you can sell, you can design, you're good at products, you can write code, you're good with team members. Um, like you do it all. Um, yeah, I would, I would question on the marketing side. I, I, I think I've had some, <laughs> some marketing wins over the years and some product business wins, but like, I always feel stronger on the product side that, you know, and, and I, and I think of product as like, that includes talking to customers and yeah. then mapping the customer needs to designing a feature and, and an interface that makes sense, you know? Uh, that's that's where I like to. That's literally where I spend most of my time anyway. You know? Well, there's that saying that the best marketing is a good product. So, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and there's there's also the other one is advertising is the price you pay for not having a great product or something. <laughs> right. <like that. laughs> um, cool. Uh, well, let's talk about on the instrumental product side. Like, who is your ideal person that you want to help? Yeah, so That's this is new. Yeah. I mean, we're we're this is live, but we're recording this uh, in December of 2023, and um, uh, so this month I'm starting. I'm, I'm just just getting the wheels turning on this new business. So this is like separate from Clarity Flow. Clarity Flow continues to run. I've got a small team, and I still work on that. But um, yeah, I want to start up something new in 2024, and and I'm calling it Instrumental Products. It's based, I'm thinking of it like a media brand, like a media company. It'll mostly be me. I'm, I'm going to be focusing a lot on, on creating a lot of YouTube content. Uh, but it's mainly about around product strategy. Like I was just saying, like I, I like to spend most of my time thinking and working and building things on the product side. And um, I did go through this transformation about, this was back in 2017, 2018, where before, in, in all the years before that, I was really just a designer and a marketer, and I couldn't build software products full stack. Um, I always relied on outsourcing and hiring developers and um, or just doing like services and not being able to do full software products. Um, but then I learned how to code. I learned Ruby on Rails. I learned you know the full, the, the full stack, uh, being able to take any idea or meet any market need and build and ship something. Um, and now, you know, we're like six years later, I, I've really leveled up my skills a lot on that because that, that's all I've been doing for the last six years is building software products. And so um, I, I would like to get back into teaching and content and coaching. Uh, and I've started doing this a little bit through instrumental products where I'm helping people transition to a products business. And that could be learning how to code and, and ship your own software SaaS idea or WordPress plugin idea or whatever it might be. Um, uh, or it could be working with you and, and your co-founders or, or small team to like get, you know, you know, like transitioning or, or, or shipping your, your, uh, your first product and kind of transition into that. Um, again, like it's, it's just starting up now. I'm getting like the content engines going. I'm starting to do a bit of coaching with, with some product folks and, um, and I'm learning right now on like how to really niche this down. But my, my current thought is helping you build and ship a product and 
and kind of expand your skill set to be able to do that. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm sort of exploring right now, but uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I came into product from the agency side and it was really challenging. It was really hard. I had partners, you know, it was, it was really tough. And, it, but I hear that a lot from people, particularly in my circles in the WordPress community who build websites for clients and they want to get into product. Mm -hmm. Given where you're at now with all your experience and everything, what is like the first couple of things, if somebody has that desire, like I really want to get into product, like where should, where do we start heading so that we don't end up wasting lots of time and money and increase our chances of success? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely went from, um, one of the things that drove my interest in this back in 2018 was that before that I was totally, if I wanted to get into any sort of software product business. I was totally reliant on outsourcing the development. And that meant a few things, which I learned the really hard way. Like I had a SaaS attempt at that back in 2017, where I spent upwards of 50, maybe more thousand dollars over the course of a year or two, just hiring back end developers to take my designs and my product ideas, bring them to life. So not only like spending a ton of money and unless you have investors if you're if you're bootstrapping like i was like that that could be pretty draining um but then it's also like not really understanding how everything comes together and i'm i'm a designer first but i build and 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 ship products full stack and i've come to a point now where like i really see design as everything from like designing how the database is architected to how different services in the code work together, how, how, how the interface comes together, how users use it. Um, it's, it's all, you're designing a product from, from the inside and out, you know? Um, and, and I made so many product mistakes early on before I learned the full stack that not only cost me money, but like made a much worse product because I did not understand why certain technical decisions were being made, you know? Um, it's, it's made me collaborate so much. I have, I have a team of, of two or three developers where I, we collaborate on such a deep level that I wouldn't have been able to do before had I not, you know, known, known the language. Um, uh, so that, that's been a huge one for me. And then, and then just gaining the ability to build and ship literally anything. Like at this point, there's, there's this sense of like, I, of course I haven't built everything. But like any idea that comes along, I, I know how to learn how to build that. You know, I, I know the, the path to figuring this out. And man, now with AI, like I can't believe I spent these years in 18, 19 learning how to code and AI was not even a thing back then. I wish it, it was. <laughs> like it, AI makes it so much easier now. Um, uh, so it's it's pretty exciting. But what it, what it does, I think, for, for most people who transition into this is like it completely opens up your world in terms of the potential ideas and the potential businesses that you can transition into. Like it doesn't have to be selling your time as a freelancer. It, it could be a, a way out of like having a job full time. Of course, th those things take a, a really long time to transition out of, but um, it, it definitely opens a lot of possibilities, you know? Yeah, that's, that is really amazing about your broad skill set. but I love how you put design kind of at the center. And I think there's a real, it's a, our world runs on design, whether you realize it or not. 
everything is designed. Um, mm-hmm. I remember going to Barnes and Noble once and being like, Oh, I want to find a book on design. I want to level up my being a product person design. I couldn't really find anything. I went to Amazon. I wasn't really sure what I could find the best stuff that was relevant to my industry. It seems like there's, it's so important yet. There's a gap or, or it's like really, um, narrow, like, Oh, well, we're just going to focus on interface design. And, but what there's not, I don't know. There's, it just seems like there's this big gap in the market. I mean, even like at the book level for somebody who wants to yeah, get into product design, let's say at the software level, I mean, there's that book. Don't make me think it's really old. It's good. Yeah. But is there classic. A, yeah. like, what other resources would you throw out there for somebody wanting to level up on product, particularly around design? Um, the, to, for me, it's always been just go build stuff, get into projects and and do it. I mean, there's, there's probably technical books out there that you can, I I've never been a learner of technical concepts using books. Um, usually because a, the things move so quickly that they're they're you know, so you're not up on the latest stuff. Um, you should still, I think generally choose things that are a little bit older and more mature. Like don't, don't just go straight to like the cutting edge, most trendy uh, tech stacks and languages and things. I, I chose Ruby on Rails because it's like old and boring and huge and yeah. well-established. Um, but um, but yeah, like bo- books are also like, this is the other thing that I learned as, as someone who learned how to code uh, for the purpose of shipping products. It's a very different thing if you are, if you are learning for the purpose of like getting hired as a developer and like maybe getting your first job as a junior developer or trying to go work at Google or something or, or level up your career as a, as a, as an employed web developer, software engineer, that's a totally different thing. Like you, you need to learn all the details and be able to, you know, but like in my world, I I've only ever been interested in learning how to build so that I can ship a product as quickly and efficiently as possible. And that means like, I don't want to learn the whole book on JavaScript. I just want to learn the little bits that are going to help me build this interface so that I can ship it. Um, And there's a lot of necessary shortcuts that you need to take. And it can be really confusing in the early days to, to know what is actually important to spend time understanding and, and learn and what's, what else can I sort of just learn the surface level and get get the gist, but I don't have to go deep because it's not going to get me there faster. You know, um, that's that over time you get better and better at learning those like shortcuts through the through the learning stuff that so and that's where projects come into play. Right. Like, yes, you, you probably need to take some courses like a one on one course at, at the beginning. There's a lot of like online learning materials out there. Um, I also got a lot of benefit from working with coaches or in my first year of learning like other experienced ruby on rails developers coaching me on like when i get stuck they can answer my questions but the most important learning thing was taking that base knowledge that i gained through courses and some coaching and getting into practice throwaway projects and then eventually like the sooner you can get to building and shipping your very first real project or product Um, that's where you're going to learn like, all right, this is where I'm getting stuck and this is what's going to get me to the finish line. 
and you're going to learn that again and again. Um, and, uh, you know, learn by doing that's, that's the best thing. What, what would you say to like a non-technical founder who really wants to get into like software as an example on the decision of like, should I, should I really try to be full stack or find a technical co-founder? Like, um, do you have any gener generic advice at that, that crucial decision point? I feel like there's never really any generic advice for anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's totally uh, personal for each individual person. Um, some people are just naturally drawn to it. Like, I, I feel like in, in my case, my mind worked logically like a programmer, probably for like 10 years before I even learned how to program, you know? Um, but I, I just didn't know how to put the pieces together. So it, it, I, I was a front end, uh, developer and I, I had worked a lot with processes with people and teams and stuff, but like, I'd never learned how to build and ship code. Um, so I, I guess in that sense, it sort of came easy to me, but I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are like that, who, who are, who have a systems mindset. If you think in processes, like, like when you scale your team and your operations, it's not all that different. It's when this happens, we do this. When this happens, we do that. If this, then that it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of that, you know, um, it, you know, there's more technical stuff to it, but you can learn it. It's, it's not that difficult. Um, uh, I think with um I think that for non-technical co-founders if you do have a technical founder it's also really really important for that technical founder to be able to speak the language of business mm -hmm. um and and because you can't just trust that like a totally technical person is going to make all the right uh, business decisions when it comes to deciding how to how to implement something, how to code something, how to architect a database. If we if we build it this way, what is it going to mean next year when we need to move the feature in that direction to reach this customer group? Um, or can we trim the scope in this or that way to ship this this quarter instead of three quarters from now? I mean, um, there's a lot of that that kind of like decision making, and and I think if the I think it's like a technical founder and a non-technical founder need to sort of meet each other in the middle. Like the non-technical needs to, needs to care about marketing. Well, the non-technical found, of course yeah. they need to do the sales and marketing, but like they also need to like learn enough about the technical side to be yeah. able to speak to the technical person and make informed decisions. They can't just trust that it's because what ends up happening is the non-technical founder gets frustrated with like how long are things taking? Why are things taking long? Right. Why, you know, why can't we ship this? Why doesn't it work in the way that I thought it would work? Like, well, you sort of gotta gotta get it into the weeds to understand that stuff. Maybe you're not the one actually writing code, but like you got to understand how things were architected, you know. Let's say there's a coach or a course creator out there and they're they're super niche and they're like, you know what, I want to add more value in addition to courses and coaching. I think I want to build like a software for my people. How do you have any quick thoughts on that to do it on, do a WordPress solution versus a SaaS solution? Like what are, what's, what are some things that people aren't thinking about if they're new to the idea of like, well, which way should I go? In terms of like choosing which tools to be able to build a product. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, um, if somebody has an idea and they're like, I want to help house cleaners run their business more successfully. As an example, I'm just thinking about one of our customers. 
I would, yeah, I would go with whatever tools, whatever platform you know the best and you are most comfortable building and shipping in. If, if that's WordPress, then do it in WordPress, you know, um, if, if it's not, then go, go with something else. But like, um, at the end of the day, like the underlying platform doesn't matter all that much that what, what matters more, like when I chose, when I started to learn how to code, I was deciding between, well, first, like the whole world of, of languages, like which one should I learn? Right. And then I sort of zeroed in on like, all right, it's either going to be Ruby on rails or Laravel PHP based Laravel. And both of them are really popular. Both of them are really, uh, or somewhat old. Like they've been around several years. They're through several versions now. So they're not like cutting edge and brand new. Um, the other factor that I looked at was like, they're so popular that there is so many resources available in these ecosystems to, to learn, to, um, use smaller libraries and plugins and products in these ecosystems for rails or Laravel. Um, there's a lot of courses, there's a lot of coaches. And then the, and then the the last thing that I looked at was like, there's a huge worldwide developer pool of people that I could potentially hire. You know, if you, if you get like the most niche cutting edge technology, there's going to be very few developers available to hire for that because they don't know it yet. Um, but there's a ton of Ruby on rails developers and there are a ton of PHP developers in the world. So um, that made it a lot easier to eventually, like, yes, I, at, at first it was more about me learning and building myself, but very quickly, like within a year or two after that, I, I got into shipping real SaaS products where I did need to bring in um, the help of other developers. And I've been working with this group for the last five years. Um, and And then just being able to like collaborate with, developers in this ecosystem that that's been huge. So like that, that's what I would look at in terms of choosing which one to learn. But in terms of like, I have a product idea ship. I want to ship it within the next three, four months. Just go with whatever, you know, best, you know, let's use the, uh, the house cleaning example. Like if we were going to build a software there and I mean, on level one, you would just communicate to a developer that says something like, I want a house cleaning software that does this, this, and this, but design, one of your strengths is like a much, it's a powerful communication tool. Writing is important too, but how does somebody get into visual communication? Like for you, when you're designing, um, do you start like on paper, then you go to Figma or something like that? Or do you build like a, a fake PowerPoint mockups or or um, how does somebody get into that way of thinking and communicating visually and thinking about user experience? Yeah, I mean, that's the key word is user experience. It's it's so much less about the colors and the styling and the fonts. I mean, um, that stuff is important too. It, like you don't want it, to, like it should have a cohesive visual look and feel, but that that gets figured out very early on, like from the branding. And then once you have like a basic style guide to work with, like, that basically defines your three or four colors and and stuff like that. Um, eventually, you get better at like fonts and spacing, and and that stuff is just uh surf you know uh, surface level like visual look and feel. When I think about design for a product, I'm thinking about I start with what does the user need to do. I I, I very much like this concept of job to be done. 
Um, and that's how I structure a lot of my customer research interviews is, is understanding their job to be done. Like, why are they hiring this product? What's the outcome that they need to get from it? Um, and in many cases, like in the case in Clarity Flow, it's a product that they're going to probably open up and log in and use on a day-to-day -day basis. So like, I, I got to understand like, what is their like daily workflow and where do they need to get to fast? What do they need to use a lot? What, what, what are they not going to be using very much? We could sort of tuck those away in like settings panels and stuff. Um, but mostly it's like, what's the fastest way between point A and point B? They, they want to do this. They want to send this message. They want to be able to configure these options and send it off. Like, let's help them do that in a, in a seamless way. Um, you know, the, the other thing that's kind of frustrating, but it's a, it's part of the process is I, I might have like, after I do a customer research interview and I design and I, I know conceptually what the feature needs to be and what it needs to do, I could design it and build it and ship it with, with whatever concept and layout and user interface that I think makes the most sense to me. But so many times I ship it and then I get feedback from users who are confused or right. they can't they can't find the button that I think is pretty obvious but they don't see it or um or they actually end up working in a different sequence than I thought they they would in in their workflow um you just you just can't understand that stuff until you put it in the hands of of customers so I I'm a big believer in um yeah, do do your best to ship something of high quality, but sooner the better. <laughs> like get yeah. it out the door as quickly as humanly possible because and, and it's not done once you ship it. Like once you ship it, now now you can learn and now you can iterate and improve it and and all that. So like even this week like we're about to launch this big commerce feature. It's one of the biggest features that we've built so far. We've been working on it for probably almost 3 months now. Um, but we're at the end. We're, we're at the final testing, and, and I'm telling my team, like, all right, we we got to test it, of course, but we're it's going live next week. <laughs> like, there are going to be things that are not going to be finished or not or might break, but we're going to fix those afterward. We we need to just get it out the door and get it in the hands of users, and then uh, and then go from there. You know. Last quick question, just for the course creators out there. Um, interactive courses is a feature of Clarity Flow. What does that mean? Or like if somebody's really just thinking about content and making videos for their courses, how can they make it more interactive? Yeah. So um, again, we we take the angle of like this is for coaches yeah. and and their clients. So it a lot of times the, a coach's form of a course is like an inter interactive thing where where they'll send like one message to their client or one course lesson if you will to their client and then you want to have a workflow that says like once the client presses play on that then trigger the next one mm -hmm. um, or once they press play trigger the next one a week later um, or you can do things like if the client has not pressed play automatically send a email three days later to sort of nudge them to say hey you haven't watched this yet um, and then the other way you can do it is like if the client presses play or if the client posts a reply, then automatically post a reply back to them after that. Um, so you can set up these like 
question and answer, call response, uh, time delayed sequences. We we call them workflows that you can like build into your uh, conversations and into your um, into your courses and, and Clarity Flow. That's essentially what it is. Awesome. Well, that's Brian. I could talk to you for another hour, but we're we're up on our hour here. So go check out Clarity Flow. That's at clarityflow.com. If you want to learn or work directly with Brian, check out instrumentalproducts.com. And you can also put them in your earbuds like me and listen to Bootstrapped Web. Uh, it's a great podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, you'll really enjoy Bootstrapped Web as well. Is there any other final words for the folks listening out there, Brian? Yeah, Chris, this was fun. Always, always good to catch up with you. And uh, I'm always a fan of, of what, what you guys are doing over there at Lifter. So uh, yeah, keep doing it. I can't believe, like, you've been doing this podcast forever. I like to say I started this podcast at the same time as Tim Ferriss. He's just a lot better known than me. <laughs> so literally 10 years. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so, I mean, that is like super impressive to, to, and you've been like, have you even like missed a week on this thing? I mean, maybe here or there, but not really. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Brian. I really appreciate it. Go check out also Brian on ch Twitter. That's at Cass Jam. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Later. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.